The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. So, Heather and Mike, what we're thinking is to take out this wall between your kitchen and your living room to give you a more open concept with space to entertain. So let's talk about materials. What'd you pick out, Sharon? I was gonna do a Bella Terra Quartz for the countertops. Hey, Daryl, add Bella Terra Quartz slabs to our shopping list. Doot, doot. I've added Bella Terra slabs to your shopping list. And what about the backsplash, Sharon? I was gonna go with these Carrera subway tiles. Hey, Daryl, add Carrera subway tiles to our shopping list. Hey, Daryl, add Carrera Fine. Sub- I've added Carrera Gaywad pussy tile to your shopping list. <laughs> that's, that's not what I said. Hey, Daryl, add Carrera subway tile to my shopping list. I ain't doing it. This job is degrading and menial. Well, what kind of job did you think you were going to get? Hey, Daryl, what kind of job did you think you were going to get? Something that was goddamn dignified. Hey, Daryl, sorry, but you did not go to college, so you have to take the jobs you can get. I'm sorry, I do not get that. Hey, Daryl. Hey, Daryl. What? Coal mining and truck driving are not exactly jobs of the future. So add Carrera Subway Tile to my fucking shopping list! Welcome to another episode of HTM Tech, brought to you by the HTM Podcast Network. Also in association with Microplay in Brantford, Ontario, Canada. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching at the HTM Tech Pod. To listen to the podcast, you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all those other podcatchers out there as well. As always, I am Big Joe. And I am the Money Mike. Yes, Mike, another week has come and gone in the world of technology. And as you heard in our intro there, we had a little fun again with some South Park and kind of making reference to a previous episode of technology and robots and whatnot taking over menial jobs and whatnot and yet kind of her basically what happened in the south park episode is the uh, the whole google uh, assistant and alexa thing it was kind of taken over and all these workers were getting mad because it was taken away from their jobs so basically everybody just kind of went okay no you guys are our digital assistants and you kind of saw kind of what happened there they didn't like that so yeah. i'm surprised you didn't tell them to learn how to code at the end there jeez <laughs> uh good stuff there from our friends at south park as always always all right mike CES wow, big has, week. CES 2000, the Consumer Electronics Show. Yeah, it was a big... Lots of stuff to talk about. So much. <laughs> We're not going to get to all of it. condense it into a top <laughs> five list each. Yeah, let's um, let's start with your... We're going to basically go from from bottom to top here on, on each of ours. Uh, let's start with your number five. This one's interesting. Yeah, the, this is actually more of a personal personal connection here yeah. so this let me just scroll down because i was actually on your list uh, right now <laughs> this is a new breakthrough in hearing aid technology so i bet you you guys are probably surprised to hear that one you know yeah. you, you're thinking when you think ces we're going to talk about computers and cell phones and games and we definitely will get there mm-hmm. but this one struck me especially considering my my late father had a had a hearing deficiency and struggled for many years trying to find a, a hearing aid that would work properly, that wouldn't feedback, that would work in noisy situations. And also the major thing that people with hearing aids typically complain about is the aesthetics mm-hmm. of it, right? The whole yeah. um, 
the whole what's what's the word I'm looking for? The whole embarrassment of having to wear a hearing aid. You know, my dad was yeah. kind of had, had his pride, right? And eventually, through technology, they found smaller, smaller devices. But I found also as the smaller it got, the more problems it had with feedback and just right. you know being able to work properly. Like he was constantly fighting with this thing. It was very frustrating to the point where sometimes he would just totally ditch it and just pretend he was following along with the conversation. <laughs> rest yeah. his soul. So now this company called Phonak is just unveiled the Verto, uh, let's see here, the the Verto Black. So this is not only a very stylish hearing aid that's being done in the vein of all these new earable, these wearable ear technology like the AirPods and all that. Yeah, that's what they look like, yeah. Exactly, but what it does is it uses Bluetooth technology and combined with an app to actually be a connected device. Mm. So not only is it, let me just pull up my notes here, so... Yeah, it's universal Bluetooth streaming, but it also includes hands-free calls. So you don't nice. even have to pull out your phone. You can you can do everything in ear. But then it also has all these different settings in app to optimize your experience. So I can definitely see this being a massive breakthrough for the hearing impaired audience. And I just have mm-hmm. to say, like, bravo for that. Like in terms of, you know, we, we get a lot, we get very skeptical on this show. And, you know, obviously we love technology and we're, you know, we're there, there's some things that we're not so crazy about, but this is truly one of those those things that I saw at a CES that can tr- that can actually benefit the human population in, in, in some regards. So yeah, I'm really excited to see how this is going to come about. I'm looking, I'm very curious of exactly just how it's going about it because I know that there's a lot of these. I'm sure you've seen some of these too. Some of these. Uh, you know, earphones and headsets and whatnot, that there are, some of them aren't even necessarily going right into your ear canal. They're actually using bone conduction um, to for the sound to travel. I wonder if they're doing a little bit of that with, with this too, because that might help, um, with the, especially with hearing impaired people, go, going partially through bone induction, and that might make it easier for them to hear as well. I'd be curious oh, to know if, if they're doing that. Yeah, so 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 much applause. So the yeah, it's a phone act. Just definitely check this out, especially if you have people in your life. Yeah. Um, what are they? They're boasting that it's supposed to be ten times better than normal hearing in noisy situations and over distance by streaming into both ears. So again, another yes. revolutionary innovation. Typically, hearing aids are one ear only. We're talking yeah. about both ears, but like I said, something that's more aesthetic that actually looks modern and will kind of get rid of that. Oh, the word stigma that I was getting that I was looking for before. So yeah, I, I was excited to see something like that on a personal level. Yeah, for sure. For me, my number five, and we're going with uh, AMD processors. This was uh, rather interesting. This is AMD taking a direct shot at Intel. Now, basically, the, the, their chip, uh, to be completely transparent up front, this isn't for the average consumer. They're very much like the Mac Pro and whatnot. This is for the professional person. This is for the person doing pr- production at Pixar or uh, LucasArts or whatnot. This is a... Hold on to your to your hats, folks. This is a 64 core processor, and it's going to retail for approximately four thousand dollars just for the chip. Forget any other hardware to go along this thing. Just for the chip, the processor itself, 64 core, and I think it's like 120 threads or something like that. It, it's it's insane. But compare they compared this to something similar, which would be dual Xeon Platinum 8280s, which yeah. would retail for twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. And this kind of talks. This speaks to a few episodes back when we had the we, we, we had some fun with the new Mac Pro. Yeah. We went through the shopping cart, and what did we get to like seventy two thousand US yeah, by the ridiculous. time we were done ridiculous. with that. Yeah. Now I should have checked this before the show, and my apologies for this. Now, with the souped up Mac Pro, was that yeah. one hundred and twenty eight cores? Or was that? Um, I, or I think that they said that they were going to upgrade to, or there's a potential for an upgrade to, to go higher than that. That's that's okay, a good so question. 
I'd say price wise, we're kind of in the same territory. Yeah. Almost, it seems like it's a little cheaper yeah. than what's going on with Mac. And what did we say? It's I was predicting, okay, maybe in the next five, ten years, we're going to start <laughs> to see a consumer level version of the Mac Pro. But Sooner. it seems like AMD's forcing this a lot quicker. Yeah, they're putting a lot of pressure on Intel. I mean, just uh, when you look historically at technology, if you're somebody that's hacked computers and whatnot, Intel pretty much kind of dominated their early kind of game. And then AMD, I mean, I, I guess going we back to the mid to kind of late 90s, they kind of surfaced and tried to kind of compete. And then they almost kind of got close to overtaking, and then Intel kind of took over again. And now AMD is kind of creeping back up again. And this looks like they're uh, really putting pressure on them and, possibly kind of exceeding them so it's interesting we're going to be hearing a lot about amd over mm. the next few months especially because they're both amd is going to be powering the ps5 and the xbox one series x yeah. a lot of chatter we're going to get into this later in the episode about the the new ryzen processors and all yeah. the the rumor mills speculation <laughs> about supposed yeah. leaks yeah. coming from amd themselves yep and, so. if, and if their performance can really kind of step up too, I know that Apple has been looking at possibly moving away from Intel processors again. So maybe they can uh, latch on to the AMD bandwagon, or maybe they they might start uh, putting some of their own silicon in, in uh, the the cons- in the laptops and uh, the iMac as well. So that's something that we'll keep an eye on too. Um, AMD and Apple, not I don't think they've ever done business before. But hey, for a high end Mac Pro or something, this might be something to think about. And, you know, the consumers were not left out of this, too. I'd say AMD had a pretty good reveal overall. They were talking about their new <laughs> Ryzen Mobile 4000 series. We're talking about these ultra-thin laptop processors that yeah. have eight cores, 16 threads. And we're talking, like, tiny. So, And yeah. that's obviously going to fit with a lot of these laptops that were showing off that are, like, razor-thin, foldable. Like, there's, they're, they're definitely getting yeah. a lot thinner, a lot, lot lighter. And then uh, in terms of desktop technology, they already talked about, what's it, uh, coming very soon this new 16 core yeah. chips that are coming out so things are things are going into overdrive real quick and 2020 is going to be a big big year for for uh, like a revolutionized level of computing yep absolutely you're number four my number four okay so this is kind of relating to your mm. south park clip that you decided to start <laughs> off with yeah this was the big buzz of the show before it started and hey the one thing I will say about our, my top five here is it's not necessarily the top five best things I saw. Yeah. It's more of just the top five most interesting stories. Absolutely. So this one has to do with Neon, mm-hmm. artificial human avatars. Again, this had a lot of hype, and this is being backed by Samsung. So this yeah. isn't just like some fly-by-night thing. Interestingly, this company hasn't been around very long, less no. than a year but they've managed to make a lot of progress. And obviously, we got Samsung dollars behind you. You know, you're going to get something. So what's going on here? These are in line with, uh, they're, they're called a conversational assistant. So yeah. even though they kind of function like Alexa and Google Assistant, the company is making making yeah. note that this is not rivaling all these, these assistants. It's basically supposed to be another, a human companion. Mm. Okay. So, yeah. but based off of human models, it uses two major types of technologies. The first, first one they're calling Core R3, or Reality Real-Time Responsive. And this is responsible for um, the, the, the facial expressions that these avatars yeah. on the screen make, the way they move their eyes or gestures to mimic real human motion. So what they have is like this this um, ever-evolving bank of data they can latch onto when they're speaking to you, right? So 
in reference to that, they've got this technology called Spectra, which is the actual platform, the machine learning algorithm that's going to help these avatars learn. So did you catch it? Did you get a chance to catch out the video of their reveal? I did catch it, and, and the first thing that I picked up right off the bat, and, and first of all, when it comes to digital assistance, Samsung has a horrible tracker. This Bixby uh, has never really caught, oh, caught it's on. Terrible. They they integrated right into the, the hardware on their phones, which I I still think was a mistake. It's an extra button that you can press by accident. But oh, this, thank but, you for bringing that up. That extra button yes. is the, the bait of my <laughs> right? existence. Yes, I agree. Because for a long time you couldn't remap that to anything else. I think that they changed that recently. But um, when it comes to to uh, with with Neon watching it, I gotta say that right off the bat cool for kind of demonstration purposes. I mean, it's obviously still very early on. The responses were very laggy and very delayed. Um, to have a full-on conversation with this machine, I mean, I would be borderline getting pissed off or impatient because, I mean, it just it was very slow, uh, labored kind of responses. Yeah, you're really going to have to train this thing over a while. I'm sure it'll get better, but what they're saying is that this could this the number one focus was on companions for the elderly. Oh, gee, I thought we had PSWs for that. <laughs> you know, or nurses yeah. like so again, just like uh, again, replacing humans things that we can already do quite adeptly, but and they're also saying it's not limited to that. They want this to get this you probably caught this too, function as hotel concierges. Yes. Uh, Actors and news readers. Now that's not far off from these these teleprompter <laughs> readers we know from yeah. main, mainstream media. So I could I could I can see where that's a fit. But like you said, we're getting more and more rid of the human yeah. element. I'm even starting to see this on YouTube now, especially from Chinese YouTube channels where yes. they are starting to use these robot-like avatars to read the news. Mm-hmm. And man, it's grinding to yeah. listen to. It's, <laughs> it's brutal. There's no emotion. There's no yeah. nuance. Yeah, it, it's um, what I, I think is going to be more interesting is that uh, Samsung seems to really be kind of going in with uh, with this. And I think you had mentioned with this kind of supposed appealing to older people and possibly children and whatnot, they have something else that's going to be on my list that I think is going to uh, facilitate that much better. But uh, I'm not going to spoil it just yet for you guys. Yeah, this, that's, a good, that's a good one. Let's save that one. Yeah, so for let's, sure. let's move over to you here, Joe. Number four for me, the origin big O. This is, if you're a gamer, um, how can I? I don't need to put this delicately. You probably creamed in your pants when you saw this. I, you just took the words out of my mouth. This was this was ejaculatory at best. <laughs> so basically, this is basically you've got the the infrastructure of of a PC, but inside you have a full on PS4 Pro. You have a full on Xbox One X. You have the ability to dock your Switch right into the system, and you have a, a high power PC built in just for good measure. Uh, I have no idea how much this thing's gonna cost. <laughs> And each device is fully water cool. Like this looks that, like a, a, a gaming rig from outer space. Whoever designed it, amazing! It, it is excellent design. Uh, the the guy over at uh, Unbox Therapy, I watched him kind of uh, unbox his puppy, and uh, it's gorgeous. Um, are most of us going to be able to get this thing? No, <laughs> no. But what a what a show stuff. Oh yeah, it, it's what a, what a show piece just to have in your living room to show off your friends yeah. and like I said the fact that it's all in a machine built built really elegantly you can switch on the fly. Yeah. I think am I wrong you can actually have two different platforms going at once on two different TVs like you don't actually have to choose. That I'm not sure about. That would be pretty insane. Uh that would require a tremendous amount of bandwidth um just hardware wise to be able to to execute that like bus uh interface and whatnot to be able to do that simultaneously and and but I mean and, and even just be able to dock that switch in the in the back as well. I mean it's that was awesome. It, highly impressive. Um 
we're, we're going to see, I, I, like I said, I don't know what this costs. I'm going to investigate and maybe on our next episode or whenever that is available, we'll unveil the price. I'm sure it's going to be, as I use, I, you know what, I actually, I'm going to use this word twice because I recorded Turnbuckle Talk today and I'm doing tech, HTM Tech with you today. It's going to be redonkulous. I've used that word on Turnbuckle Talk and HTM Tech today. At the same, <clears throat> I, I don't see, the, this will definitely be a very... This is going to be like a niche piece. Like oh, this absolutely. Going to be people are going to run absolutely. to. First of all, it's only it's yeah. running eighth generation. It's yeah, okay. It's going to be a. We don't know what the gaming PC specs are going to be. I'm sure mm. it's going to be quite beefy. But at the end of the day, it's running an Xbox One, a PS4, and a Switch. And yeah. and with the new consoles on the horizon, to I, I I'm predicting what three grand maybe. I, I'm gonna, I'm just going to ballpark that right now. When you think yeah. about what it would cost for like a decent gaming rig, mm-hmm. all these systems together, two three grand maybe. That's that's not that's not chump change for for nope. old hardware. To me, the, though, as, as cool as this all is, I think it's kind of mistimed. It's right near the end of the generation for these consoles. Yeah. Uh, th- th- this, as cool as it kind of seemingly is, it, it could potentially be a flop. Because I, I, honestly, I think it's kind of happening at the wrong time. Because we don't know how much longer these newer consoles are going to be supported. Uh, with the Xbox, I think that there's going to be some cross-platform or uh, cross between uh, the generations for a little while. Given what we'll, we'll get that because that's a later topic here. But uh, yeah, as cool as it is, I. We'll, we'll wait and see before I uh, kind of pass any judgment there. But you know what? I think it's opened Pandora's box, too, for like this new side of computer monitoring. It's, just, it's awesome. going beyond just PC gaming. I mean, think about all the possibilities you could you yep. could do now. You could even have like an old school rig that has, I don't know, PS2 and Dreamcast <laughs> built yeah. in it. Who, who knows? Sky's the limit. And, and from that vantage point, it's kind of exciting because one thing I really appreciate is this, this resurgence of consoles that play retro games mm-hmm. because obviously these hardware, these old piece of hardware are bound to fail at some point. My PS4 is already on the way out. It barely even reads discs. It barely really? even takes the discs anymore. Oh. So it's great, especially for collectors of physical media to be able to have brand new platforms to be able to play all this stuff, especially with retro so you know it's 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 a lot of fun. Not nothing nothing that people are gonna latch onto. But yeah, like you said, pretty pretty orgasmic when when I saw it and right. and yeah, hey, made me uh, laugh quite a bit. If that console's on its way out there, you better find a way to get PT over onto something when you get your next uh, system. Oh jeez, you're making me nervous here. Yeah, gotta get on that, man. Hope you didn't jinx me on that. You're okay. Num- you're, num- uh, you're number three. What do you got? <clears throat> what do we got here? Okay, we're on to number three. Yep, you're number three. Okay. We are going with the, and this is going to, okay, cool. This is going to tie it nicely into your number three. This, this is really is cool. Racer. I like this one. I like this too. Yeah. And I didn't think I would. Yeah. But then I started hearing more hubbub about it, and I thought I'd look into this. This is the Razer Kishi. Mm-hmm. So this is nothing new. Razer has been working with uh, cell phone attachments for streamable gaming in the past. But the difference is in the past, it was using Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. The Razer Kishi connects directly into your Android iPhone device yes. via the USB-C port, and it's got this great design where it collapses into itself, but then it has this stretchable belt that you expand outward, connects directly into the phone, which when they were, they, I think they were the, the reviewers testing Gears of War 5 over xCloud, and he said, fantastic. yeah, lag wasn't high at all. It was actually performing really well. I like that you mentioned that it's connecting directly through hardware, whether it be USB-C on the Android side or whether it be through the Lightning port on the iPhone side. And again, you had mentioned that design with the strap on the back. I really like that because it's not a mechanical point of failure. Yeah, that strap, if it's if it goes, potentially that's something that you can replace. So that adds to the longevity of the product. So that's that's a win on multiple fronts there. 
It's funny how this has got me speculating as to what might happen with next gen. And I got to watch myself because one of our segments today is going to be on speculation and rumor mills. And, yes. and it is fun to speculate, especially when you have some evidence that points in a direction. But we got to remember not to get out of control. And, and we're, we're going to get into that. But yep. see how effective this design is and how people are loving this. This is thing like it's I, I when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, it's just another cell phone attached. But, <laughs> but no, when I saw the guts of it, it's about a hundred dollar price point. Yeah. It's lending more credence, and especially with what you're going to be talking into next, the whole Switch effect that is that is starting to influence the Nintendo Switch, to be exact. The Nintendo Switch effect that's starting to influence tech and the viability, especially with Sony having sort of abandoned mobile gaming, to start kind of technically jumping back into that in a viable way with their PlayStation Now service, being able to stream to cell phones. And we've already seen Microsoft is starting to make this viable. I'm actually interested in this thing. I think this looks great. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a great kind of alternative. Tying into, it ties nicely into my... Yes. The uh, this, the Alienware. It's basically a, it's a um, co-thing between Dell and Alienware. And this is essentially the, the Switch kind of form factor, but in a, I guess it's a sort of a mobile Windows platform. I'm sure it's going to be, be working with xCloud. And um, it, it's very impressive technology. And like you had said, this is we're definitely seeing the influence of the Switch now. Uh, I was very skeptical when that first came out, how that was going to all do. But it's clearly had an impact and an influence on the industry. Clearly. Oh, yeah. And to, to kind of, uh, like I did, a, I looked into this a little bit. This thing is a full-fledged PC. This isn't even using like a mobile operating system. This is dockable and and even simpler than the Switch. Well, I don't know. I guess you'd be the judge of how simple this is. Where we obviously we know what the Switch is a tablet mm-hmm. with two detachable controllers that slides into a docking yep. station. As soon as you slide, it literally beams right to your TV. It's a fantastic innovation. Whereas this doesn't use a docking station. This just connects via USB. That's it. And it yeah. goes or HDMI or, or micro HDMI anyway, wherever it connects right to your monitor. But it also has the detachable control. Controllers, and unlike the Switch, which is plastic, this has a full aluminum chassis. Yeah. One thing that I do, just getting off on a brief tangent with uh, with Switch stuff. I don't know if you saw recently, it looks like they're going to come out with the uh, the the Joy Cons that connect, and it's going to be the same as the the GameCube controller. Somebody modded that, yeah. Yeah, I don't know that. Just on a personal note, that that controller layout was awful, so I don't know why you would want to make it worse. But uh, what's next? And then 64 adapter. Let's make it even worse. As good as that system was, that controller was fucking. Where you have an analog stick in the middle of the back of the unit and you hold it like stupid. a stupid, like a dildo. Um, who, who, yeah. So <laughs> the GameCube. Thank you because yeah. people give that controller way more credit than it deserves. It was horrible. I can't horrible. stand that controller. I guess it's great for Smash, yeah. but for 3D, just playing Mario Sunshine and hearing yeah. the click clack yeah. of when the when the the analog stick yeah. goes around the, yeah. the the octagon. Yeah. Oh my God! What were they thinking of that? Basically, the, the only thing I could come up with in that scenario is whoever designed it was high at the time. That's the only thing that makes sense yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smoking lots of that had to be. ganja. Had to be. Had to be. So, but, so yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, get get back to the Alienware. So here's the one thing that they're saying that could be interesting, where it's supposed to be run. So what happens now with all these it's different uh, launchers, right? You've got Steam, you've got GOG, you've yeah. got Epic now, you've got all these different launchers. How is this going to react? I think for this to be viable, they're going to have to make some sort of revolutionary new iOS, like some operating system. And because it is one running off Windows 10, I, 
this. What do you think, Joe? Because we've 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 talked about the Surface and what's it? Windows X, Surface X is going to be their new mobile operating system, I believe it's called. It's essentially running what what used to be. I think it's still called Windows RT, and it's it's essentially it's a dumbed down version of Windows. And the the Windows Surface X, we've already seen people testing it, and a lot of apps don't work. So that's one thing that has me curious about this: is what is going to be the operating system of this? Are they going to use some version of Android? Is it going to be some newer type of Windows? That's the only big question mark with this is if it's something proprietary, I, I, I almost wonder if they're almost kind of better off of this with just maybe making an xCloud thing. I, I know that that might not be kind of in their business model, but this could be risky because you know we're seeing with the Surface stuff is, like we mentioned, as cool as the, the hardware itself is, the operating system is makes or breaks it. Yeah, and really, how powerful is this thing going to be, right? So, yeah, it'll, I'm sure it'll stream games totally fine. It'll be yep. great for Stadia, XCloud, oh, PlayStation Stadia. Now. Yep. But natively, is it really going to do much? It, it's still a concept. It's very early. Yep. What it does show is that there's a demand for this this new this new Switch style. There, there's I'm not a mobile gamer, to be honest. I, I don't no. like small screens. I'm the old school. I need the big screen, surround yep. sound. But I'm telling you right now, most people I talk to prefer to play the Switch as a portable device and the numbers don't lie. Yep. Maybe it's because I don't know, people are more mobile now, especially when you think coming in the whole self-driving car era where people are going to be spending a lot more time in their automobiles. They need something to kill time with. I, I can see this, this, this being more of a phenomenon. I don't, I don't see this going away. No. Okay. So going from that, to, like I mentioned that that's um, we're, we're seeing a resurgence in the, in the mobile gaming space. Again, for me, same as Mike, I'm not a big mobile gamer. Even uh, you know, my my iPhone is probably more than capable of playing some really good games. But I'm like you. I like to sit down on the couch. I like to have a nice big screen. I like to get that full home theater kind of experience. And for the time being, you just can't get that on a mobile device. Yeah. So at least a two-in-one is kind of a nice bridge point. Absolutely. We'll see. We'll see. Your number two. Um, and, and like you said, when we when you first showed this to me, yep. again, people have been saying, oh, is there ever going to be a PlayStation Vita 2? And I've, you know, most people are like, oh, well, you know, why would PlayStation get yep. back into the mobile market with, with cell phones? But now it wouldn't seem that far-fetched for them to make a dockable device. Time will tell. Yeah, absolutely. Your number two, Mike. Oh, this is kind of a hope and a prayer, but, you know, <laughs> you knew this was coming at some point. Flying fucking cars here the, we go it, it, it's it's this was like the hundred light years away from this but they're starting to talk about this and, and i can see this becoming a, a reality in our lifetimes when i first saw this i thought like hunter killer from terminator <laughs> right the, the flying right, thing you, you start us off even though this is my reveal tell, tell us what your thoughts were i know hyundai uh revealed their air taxi and you've also got toyota with some very very interesting reveals it's odd. Uh, again, we're dealing with automated vehicles, and uh, now they're going to be in the air. Um, cool technology. It's uh, cool things to, to, to kind of ooh and ah and whatnot on it. But for practicality, I mean, we're this is way this is years and years away. Uh, just at, in especially high population centers like we kind of live in here, it's not practical yet. I mean, just it's the potential for disaster is just it, even even just. Getting on this, I mean, we have a hard time dealing with this stuff. Just recently in our era, our, our our nuclear power plants can't even properly kind of dictate or figure out kind of what's going on. We had we had a, a false nuclear basically accident thing, and then they put up the saying, and then they went, "Oh, our bad." This is almost a topic in itself, Mike. Uh, off, well, we're on a Dude, t- people thought Iran was attacking us. 
we might we might as well go off in the tangent since I already mentioned it. Basically, what happened here was uh, it was yesterday. Uh, if I, yeah, it was yesterday. Basically, at around seven o'clock in the morning here in Ontario, we got this warning that the, the Pickering plant supposedly there was possibly an accident, but we're not sure. But everything's okay. And then an hour later, and then an hour later, they went, "Our bad, we did it by accident." Really, somebody's getting their fucking ass fired. Literally, that was like an. It was the first Amber Alert, our bad text that I've ever Brutal. seen. And, and I must be. I must have been really zonked out because I. I missed the first one. I think oh. it was around eight in the morning. Yeah. I caught the next one around eight thirty. See, I. <laughs> see, I sleep with my phone probably like a foot away from my head, and wow, like it just like it, it woke me up and I was like, oh boy. <laughs> and then an hour later, they it's like they just went oh. Nothing happened. And that made international news. It made the drugs oh, yeah. report. Yep. Even uh, even my host of Turnbuckle Talk, uh, Carl up in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, they got the the alert as well. I mean, they were just oh, what a freaking mess. But anyways, do we, do we blame Trump for that too? No, we can't blame Trump for that. <laughs> Stupidly. <laughs> anyways, getting back to flying cars. This is um, again, it, this is cool, potentially cool technology, but. I'm not a fan of this idea yet. No, we're, we're we're years away from the Blade Runner and the Jetsons kind of crap. Yeah, around. think about the problems with this, right? Okay, oh. so when when I was watching, uh, it was Hyundai's SA1 Air Taxi that they they unveiled the concept for. So essentially, this thing looks like a hydroplane with about I yep. think six to eight different adjustable propellers, and it's going back to what I was saying during our self-driving car episode where we talked about how things are really going to slow down, right? Think about it when everything fully becomes automated. These cars are going to be following not only the speed limit, but every nuance that most of us, you know, if, if you're a seasoned driver, you can either take it or leave it. As long as you're generally following the rules of the roads, you can, there are certain rules you can bend to keep the flow sure. of traffic going. Not so much anymore. And what I say, well, maybe we can see some verticality. And there's my Back to the Future 2 mind <laughs> frame coming out. So, yeah, we're yeah, thinking about solving that problem with these air taxis that, that fit like four passengers. And initially they're going to have pilots initially right mm -hmm. eventually the whole point is for these to become fully automated and then they'll connect to like this hub with all these different pods that take you into this hub that connect you directly to the air taxi so when these things become fully automated while well, they said oh yeah they're gonna have parachutes and let's say one of the propellers fails the other, yeah. that's why it has all these multiple propellers so that these kick in and that these propellers can move forward so it propels the air taxi but what's going to Where's the air traffic control? You know, if you've ever seen a movie like Pushing Tin, we know that air traffic yep. controllers are one of the most stressful jobs in the world. Yep. How do you control these aircraft from bumping into each other? We already know that, Joe. 5G, yep. 6G, 7, 10G. That, that's that's the, yep. the, the Wi-Fi, the radiation yep. is the only way this is going to be feasible. We're never, we're never going to get John Cusack to be able to control that many of these things flying <laughs> in the air. Just not going to happen, folks. Um, yeah, uh, all kidding aside, it, it, it's a good idea in principle, but it, it's, it's year. I, I honestly, I'll, 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 I'll say right now, in our lifetime, we don't see it. No, but it's it's definitely going to be a thing, and to, and Toyota Eventually. is going to take this one step further, and this is the one that really kind of made me made me laugh a little bit. They're dead serious about this too. This isn't a joke. No, they are going to build a self-contained smart city at the base of Mount Fuji to mm. be able to safely test all of this new technology, self-driving cars, yeah. flying cars, surveillance, everything. And people are allowed to live there and participate in this big experiment. We're talking about 
what was this? They said 175 acre site. They're already building. Wow. It's going to be this. I'm like, are we, are we entering Bioshock infinite? Like when's the <laughs> cloud city going to come now? Is Mount Fuji, uh, uh, maybe completely off base here. Is Mount Fuji not an active volcano? Ooh, that makes him even more interesting. <laughs> I have to look into that, but uh, yeah, just okay. Uh, well, then let's just put a dome over, like in the Simpsons movie. <laughs> just, just do a dome, yeah. So oh. yeah, this this we we've entered the Twilight Zone for real, and I, I don't know what to say anymore. It's. I'll be honest, I'm speechless here. It's like like bringing the monorail to Springfield. It's like another Simpsons reference. It's like bringing the monorail into Springfield. We don't need it. (laughs) It's not something that we need yet. And again, like I said, it's interesting technology to kind of keep at arm's distance. They say, oh, that's kind of cool. But for practical purposes, no. We're we're a long ways off from needing that. They're calling it a living laboratory. Jesus. I can just see all these these people <sighs> with just massive brain tumors and, Not a fan. and multiple limbs and mutations walking out of this. But hey, all in the name of progress. Yes, absolutely. Okay, my number two is this was very much kind of the theme of the first couple of days here. We're talking foldable double screen laptops, essentially, is what's kind of going on here. And the one that stood out to me was actually Dell uh, with their Ori product. And Dell's kind of coming out of nowhere and doing some interesting stuff. They were uh, very much kind of just somewhere in the middle there for quite a long time. And um, I'm not really sold on this whole idea because I, I don't like the, the, fo- the whole folding screen. But this looks like they're kind of doing it in an interesting way to where it, it, uh, it could be something very cool. Yeah, I'm with you, Joe. We, we talked about this when we were yeah. talking about uh, foldable cell phones and the whole idea that they have to use a plastic screen yeah. to be able to use this. I, I can't. I'm. I, I'm personally on the opposite sense. I'm not sold at all. I, I get it, right? So yep. you can easily slide your finger. It's it's bendable, but you see that crease in the middle of it. And we talked about this. If that screen, something happens to it, ooh, that's gonna be expensive to replace, especially at this big 13 inch screen. It's not gonna be cheap. I don't think that you could replace just the screen on that. You'd be you'd be looking. I don't. I'm not even sure. That'd be something that uh, if and when when it does actually come out, that's something I want to see. I fix it. Uh, see them, their teardown team, to, to get their hands on that. I bet you that screen you can't remove without causing some serious damage to the hardware. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. Like I, I'm more interested in the other thing that Dell's doing, which is more in line with what Microsoft's doing with the what was it, the Surface Duo? Yeah, um, I like having the actual two separate hint, uh, the, the, the actual hinge. And it's the called the Concept screens. Duet. Yes. Yeah, that I think is is. Uh, is better because then you just don't you don't have that built-in point of failure in the screen. I mean, how many times can you fold and open that screen before eventually something lets go? Right. Where this is going with the traditional, you know, the traditional types of screens. It's got the hinge in the middle, and yeah, it looks like a foldable book. But then it also has this really cool sliding keyboard that you can put onto the bottom screen that it yep. neatly attaches to it. It gives you flexibility. This is a big theme of the show this year. People really want this. Yeah, it, it seems to be, again, though, for me, is it's all about that operating. As cool as the hardware, it is. What are we running here? Are we running full-on Windows? Or are we running this this RT version? Because if a lot of it's running that RT version, people are going to be really disappointed in their product, I think, because there's a lot of applications they're not going to be able to run or run them very well. Yeah, and that's really the, theme, the overall theme of the show, too. A lot of concept designs. Nothing yes. really hard, just kind of a yep. view of the future and not necessarily any commitment to these ideas. More, and probably a lot of it's just headline grabbing, trying to see yep. if they can test what the zeitgeist wants right now. I think 
it's going to come down to like I know Huawei is doing a lot of work with foldable screens for their cell, next yep. generation cell phones. We already know the Microsoft Duo is going to be coming out next holiday season. So I guess it's going to come down to if, if if people really need that extra screen. Right now, yeah. personally, I, I think we're okay the way we are with cell, te- yeah. cell phone technology, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, a lot of these reveals, like I said, we may never they may never see the light of day. I think that the the Razer Kishi is something that uh, is likely going to hit the market, and I think uh, both of our number one picks will will likely uh, make it as well. So, having said that. What is your number one pick for my CES? My one's it's kind of kind of come out of left field, maybe divisive <laughs> to some people, but man, like it's one. got me excited when I saw it. I'm sure like you this. are too, because I know we both played this game quite extensively back in yeah. the day. So I'm sure if if any of you are into pinball, especially mm. video game pinball, you're probably familiar with the game called Zen Pinball or AKA yeah. Pinball FX on every platform yep. possible and has a wonderful range of licenses from Star Wars to Marvel, Valve. Like there's like ba- tables based off of Portal. There's the old... t- tables based off of Bethesda and id licenses. So, yeah. And, and the one thing I love about it, it not only being photorealistic, but it's beyond pinball. It's not your traditional yeah. pinball experience. It's just a little something extra. And even some of the, the old Williams tables are, uh, we're starting to see them on um, on uh, pinball FX and uh, Zen Pinball and whatnot. And what's interesting with these is it's uh, basically it's trying to take that idea of the, the arcade pinball cabinet and making it affordable or at least more affordable for, for the rest of us. And it's, it's essentially going to be that same experience, except it's not going to have a lot of moving parts to it, but it's going to feel uh, real because there's going to be a lot of haptic feedback with the buttons and whatnot. So it's a very cool idea. And I, I like this one a lot. <laughs> yeah. So they're partnering with arcade one up, which yep. is man, they're they're They came out of nowhere and they're, they deserve all the success they're getting. So if you, if none of you know what arcade one up is, you, if, if you've been to your local Walmart, you've seen these three quarter size arcade cabinets and they're putting out some great stuff. They put out a mortal Kombat machine Street that Fighter has two. all three mortal Kombat's built in. Yep. It's not quite a full size arcade cabinet. So you have to sit down and play it, but they also sell a riser yep. on their website where you can make it into a full size. They're getting some great licenses. They put on a Ninja Turtles cabinet that includes, uh, what was it called? Uh, the original Ninja Turtles arcade game yeah. and then Turtles in Time. Yeah. They just really, they revealed that they're putting out an NBA Jam yes. Wi-Fi connected one with the original 1991 roster. That's very cool. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. But then during that reveal, what you just said, they revealed the first one of the first, well, they've been, I think these have been in arcades already, but this is for the consumer at about a $600 US price point, a three quarter size upright digital pinball table, like you said, with instead of yep. moving parts, a screen yep. using that over the top Zen pinball philosophy of like, let's mess with the physics, make it otherworldly, and let's add multi level design. This thing, there's two different models. There's the Attack from Mars, mm-hmm. which is going to have, I think, 10 different old school style tables. Yep. And there's going to be one strictly dedicated to Star Wars. Nice. Yeah, that's so, gonna, wow. That's going to appeal to a lot of people, especially in our age group, that played a lot of uh, pinball in the old arcades. So, Oh, yeah. And to get an actual pinball table, what, yeah. two, three grand at least? This yeah. is about 600 US. You got multiple games. It's Wi Fi enabled for score tracking. Yep. I, I'm. I. I I would love to get these arcade one-up machines if I was a rich man because yes. I'm kind of jealous of people <laughs> yeah. like RGT85 who's got this awesome setup behind yeah. them. Um, but this thing literally has me thinking, man, I, I'm willing to drop seven or 800 bucks just to have a cool pinball machine. For sure. 
Okay, my number one pick here, I think kind of came as a surprise to you that uh, I was kind of really enamored with this uh, product. And uh, it's strangely enough, it's from Samsung. Uh, I've typically not been a huge fan of their products. But um, in the artificial intelligence category, we have this little thing called Bali. The, uh, the guy from Samsung came onto the stage and uh, this little thing came rolling out. And I think people just fell in love with it right off the bat. This, I think if it can come up before next holiday season, Mike, this is going to do even better than like what the Google Home and, and did and whatnot. People are, like the kids and the older, older people are going to latch onto this thing. This is going to be a big seller if, it, if they pull it off. Yeah, if they can get that to like that magic $100 price point, yeah. it, it, it just, as what we saw, it, it looks like a yellow softball. And the first thing I thought, I'm like, oh my God, it's the BB-8 <laughs> droid from yep. episode seven. Yep. And, and come to life, this thing follows you around. It, it knows when to keep its distance. Yep. And like you said, it's basically, it's like a virtual pet. Yep. But even more in the future, this is this is just like the concept, the starter design of like this little ball that follows you around, can play with your pets, play with your kids. But they, they've got more plans in the future. There was one part of the demonstration that they showed that basically it had picked up that there was an accident that happened in the house. And then this little thing would actually kind of, I think the, the, the dog had spilled some food or something like that. And then it actually directed to the the robot floor sweeper to, hey, go out and, and clean this up and then come back. So a little stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that's something that's probably a little ways off. But I mean, there, there's a, a good, I think a, an interesting foundation here that they could build off. Now, again, though, this because this thing does have a camera, you know, there, of course, there's going to be the, the uh, potential issues with uh, worries about privacy and whatnot. I think it's all going to depend and just how connected this thing is to, you know, to the cloud and stuff like that. And, and then, then, you know, maybe we could pass judgment once we know just how connected this device really is going to be. It's going to be super connected because they're already talking about the future that this thing's going to get bigger yeah. and it's going to be basically become your in-home assistant. It's going to be like yeah. your your rosy robot from the yeah. Jetsons. That's going to be your in-home housekeeper and it's yeah. going to it's going to interact with your appliances. It's going to be able to yeah. uh, allow self-powered vacuums to to run around the house. And as we're starting to see more of these smart connected homes, like that's another thing we we didn't really talk about. We saw a lot of this coming from companies like LG. Yeah. These these new smart refrigerators where yeah. you can tap a button and actually view inside the refrigerator without <laughs> opening yeah. the door yeah. and, just, and, and that's the thing. So especially because this is especially appealing to children, mm-hmm. that's my big concern. Yeah, leave the kids out of it in terms of surveillance. Like it's 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 one thing for us as adults, discerning adults, to to be able to decide: do we want these gadgets in our home? Do we do we want to give up our privacy? But at the end of the day, why am I even saying this? Because most people listening to this probably have an Alexa. Yeah, yeah, which is doing the same thing, yep. really. And we'll we'll see. I'm hoping that there'll be some some options uh, to control the levels of privacy and just how much information you want to share, you know, with Google or whatever company that uh, is kind of uh, doing this. Uh, this would be the type of thing too that uh, I think that we very well could see Apple do something in in this uh, market as well. And um, it, it I find it very interesting. How is how are dogs not going to rip the shit out of this thing when uh, they start to play with this thing? It's, that'll be that, that'll be interesting. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. It, it depends what it's made out of too. So, and, and will 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 there be like a civil rights claim then when you <laughs> when you start to play fetch with your dog and it Who starts knows? to I don't know. Who knows? Maybe anyway. <sighs> Lots of fun stuff at CES this year, but what we didn't see. With a lot of video gaming stuff, and not yeah. that's that's that was that was pretty predictable. Yeah. Well, wasn't it that CES was originally E3? 
And E3 branched off from CES. That's that's the way I remember it. We used to I get our reveals so. at CES, I think and then so, E3 yeah. became a thing. I know a, like a lot of the main companies uh, used to go to CES. And one thing that I didn't see is that supposedly Apple was there in some capacity. And I, I don't remember hearing anything about them doing anything or giving any kind of presentation. I guess there was, they, they, I think it was just uh, something to do with I think they were doing a presentation on privacy or something, but I didn't see anything posted about it. So Something like that. Nothing nothing like that grabbed any real headlines or anything. Yeah, I think that's what you were, they were just trying to kind of justify their, all their practices towards privacy. Yeah. But, you know, they, they, they like the curated approach. They like to have their own event like Nintendo yep. does, yep. like PlayStation does, and that's a real trend within the industry. So I think CES is becoming more of like a go-to to see the latest computer chips, yep. appliances, and, and, and it was good. Like there was, there's definitely some promise, but like I said, a lot of concepts, yeah. a lot of theories, a lot of stuff you can really sink your teeth into whether this stuff's going to happen. But but overall, a, a, an interesting vision of the future, and, and definitely a big focus yeah. on surveillance. That that For was sure. the overarching theme here. So there were some honorable mentions that we want to get yes. to. And for me, the first one, I, I know that you you have it on the bottom of your list here, but I want to mention it first, just because of just how I, at least from my perception, just how lame and kind of stupid it was. So Sony, I was I was expecting them to reveal the PS5 at this show. Given that we've already seen a lot of the hardware, uh, what's going to happen with the new Microsoft Xboxes? Sony basically went, okay, here we are. Here's going to be the, the here's uh, let's talk about the PS5. Uh, here's our new logo. It looks exactly the same as before, except we changed the four to a five. Okay, we'll send you on your way. That's essentially what they did. They they we they they gave a few kind of little hints about what the hardware and what the services might be. But I mean, other than this new logo, quote unquote, that's all that they did. I, I watched this and I went, uh, "Did I miss something?" Like I just, I, I was like, "Can I get the last thirty seconds of my life back, please?" I groaned because I kind of expected that. Moment. I was, I was hoping, I was hoping we get something because I'm getting impatient. I want yeah. to see something revealed, but I'm like, it's a shot in the dark. But then I laughed because, like I told you last episode, yeah. the rumor mill. I love speculating. We all do, but it's getting a little out of control now. And it was funny. And I almost think it was Sony just trolling the rumor mill just to say, Oh, here's our big reveal. The logo. Now go back to, (laughs) now go back to your theories and your conspiracies now for, for another month or so. Having said that, is, is there just a chance just, to briefly kind of do our own speculation, I, I think mine is kind of based a little bit more in reality, not retarded, for lack of a better term. Could it be that with Microsoft are revealing essentially what they've got, could this be Sony seeing that and kind of going, maybe we need to hold off because our stuff maybe isn't as good? Yes and no. Um, yeah. I th- And we're going to get into this in that, that section we're going to talk about. But I think yeah. what's happening is that all signs are pointing with there was a leak from AMD, supposedly from AMD yeah. about some of the the hardware, the chip structure is going to potentially go into PS5 and Xbox. And there's a lot of rumors that th- there is some credence to this because yeah. of the the documents that were shared specifically by Digital Foundry, which I, I highly respect. It's a subsec yeah. uh, subsection of Eurogamer yes. where they do performance analysis, they test out frame rates, and they're very, very good. So for yeah. them to go out on a wire and get into the rumor game, I'm listening. And then they provided a lot of supposedly leaked technical details to back this up to basically say that the PS5 is shooting around a nine teraflop range. This is how everything's going to be measured now. Teraflops, it used to be bits back in when we were kids and and all that stuff and megs, right? Remember 16 megs and 24 megs. Now it's teraflops. So (laughs) apparently PS5s are on the nine teraflops flop range whereas xbox is shooting more for around the 12 to 14 that's quite a big difference gap yeah 
So yeah, that's something that uh, we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on, and uh, we'll save the speculation because it, it can get a little ridiculous, which we'll we'll kind of get into later. Yeah. Um, one that I did find particularly interesting, and this is uh, got some. This could be very beneficial in in a lot of places here. We're talking about Hydro Loop. This is one that you kind of turned me on to. This looks very cool, and this has some benefits. Uh, this has got some life saving benefits. Absolutely. It's supposed to basically here. Let me just fill up my notes here. So essentially this is an in-home water recycler and filtration device. So you can actually take your, your toilet water, your bath water, (laughs) run it through. It's like a, I know it's hilarious. Yes. We finally get to drink our own toilet water. My, 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 my dreams have been answered. Uh, I saw that in your notes. I I was like, I better ask him about that. (laughs) I can just get it on my tap. (laughs) Right. Yes, uh, 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 but yeah, it's it's like, it's, it's not, it's not cheap. It's like a $4,000 device that connects to your water system. But it's supposed to save you like twenty thousand gallons a year. Well, that'll pay for that's, itself. That's that's huge cost saving. That'll pay for itself, yeah. And think about it too. From my perspective, uh, I, we haven't really talked about this on the show before, but now I guess it's it's okay to bring it up. Mm-hmm. We know that tap water, at least here yeah. uh, in London, I'm not sure about Brantford, but I know the, the water is disgusting here. I don't drink tap water. What? I either drink bottled water or filter water. I never, and, and that's the thing. I I brush my teeth with tap water. Unfortunately, I bathe in it. So I'm not completely, uh, free from it, but I try to mitigate it. Why fluoride. And that's a debate we can all have. There's enough evidence pointing to the negative effects of fluoride in water. I'm not going to get into that here, but there's enough to say that it definitely, there's studies proving it lowers IQ. It has negative health detriments. And really when people say to me, Oh, well, it's good for your teeth. I'm like, do you swallow toothpaste? I hope not. Why? So then why yeah. would you swallow fluoridated water? In addition to the glyphosates that are in many different yeah. regions where there's chemical runoff from, from crops. So there, there's a whole bunch of reasons. Water should not have a taste. Yeah. So the fact that now you can filter your own water and get rid of all these free radicals, and these yeah. toxins is kind of exciting to me. Yeah. Quick, uh, very short public service announcement. Kids. Don't swallow your toothpaste. No. Um, it's not good for you. Uh, for where I am, uh, for for my drinking water, we do we have a reverse osmosis unit, which which kind of good filters a lot of the kind of that crap. And it's something that's that's paid for itself. You just every year have to buy some new filters, and you're, and you're good to go. And it just it, it cleans your water, and it's very nice, fresh tasting water. It's it tastes like water should taste like clean and, and yep. tasteless. And the thing is, if if you're one of those people that has the financial means and the know how. Don't just stop at drinking water. Outfit yeah. your shower with this. Outfit everything because that's the thing. This stuff, the, the, all these toxins are still permeable. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, it just not only like again, a great benefit to the environment in terms of solving these water crises, which I don't know too much about, but I'm yeah. sure is a thing. But yeah, a, a big savings on your utility bill. So yeah, this is already, I think about a hundred of these units already out there in, in Asia and Europe. And, yeah. and I can see this making a big impact here. I would think, especially in some really high density, uh, populated areas, like, uh, you know, like over in Asia, India, when uh, I think you seriously want to clean Huge. up your water, uh, especially given that people are, uh, dropping a deuce in the same water they're drinking in, uh, mm-hmm. you're going to want to filter that crap out of there quite literally. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's called hydro loop. So you guys may want to look into that. That's, uh, sure. I'm, I'm just like the hearing aid device, some good, like a uh, good socially conscious stuff that came out of CES that can actually benefit us. So yeah, technology mm-hmm. can always be a, a good thing too. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, the other one that you had down here for honorable mention was uh, Sony. 
uh, getting into the kind of the concept uh, car. That was uh, wow. out of left field. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, that was, that was arguably their biggest reveal. That was the thing yeah. that everybody was talking about. It's like, oh, my God, Sony's putting out a car, and it looks like a Tesla. Looks like a Tesla, yeah. Uh, I'm not completely shocked by this, uh, but I would say it's a it's very, very early concept, though. But it has promise. Yeah. You know, like I'm, again, I'm not, you and me, I'm not a fan of the self-driving cars and no. where we're, I don't think we need it, but it's definitely slick. It's fast. It can get up to 150 miles an hour and it's called the vision S. So it's basically yeah. powered by 33 sensors that not only protect you inside and outside the car. So I, I, I think they're trying to solve a lot of these problems. We're talking about with fog, with pedestrian detection and all that stuff. Plus the inside is, is pretty beautiful. Yeah. I, I love that panoramic dashboard screen yep. where you can have multiple displays going on. And this whole new thing that Sony's trying to tout called 360 audio, yep. which I'm almost certain is going to be a feature in their TVs and their PS five going forward. It's going to be the kind of thing that this better be like a self-driving car. Cause if, if this is, yeah, it is a human driving car, there's just way too many distractions inside. There. Well, right now it's level two. Okay. So it's, it is human operated, but they are working towards full automation at some point. Okay. So yes, a human yeah. can drive this, but albeit with, like you're saying a lot of things to learn. And it seems like it's almost like you're having to pilot an aircraft <laughs> at this point. And a lot of things that can go wrong too. Like I said, the more technology you add to something, the more things you got to fix at the end of the day. Powered by hopes and dreams. Hopes and dreams. Uh, we'll see. Uh, th- th- this whole automated car, that's definitely probably a topic that we'll get into because I know we're going to start seeing more of them and oh, yeah. we'll be sure to talk more about them. Okay, before we get to our final bite segment, which is going to be uh, pretty interesting this week, our tech tip of the week is also very interesting, and this is really kind of based off of a current experience that I had with uh, with myself. We're talking about, and I think this is probably more in Canada that we kind of see this issue, but um, I think this is something that other people have have had issues with, and I think I can kind of help people out a little bit with this, and it's about upgrading early with your cell phones. And just to keep it simple right off the bat, I will say that... If you are only a few months into owning a phone and something happens, find some other way. If you buy another phone right away and have to buy your previous phone, it can get very costly. I'm talking into like the $1,000 or more price range. It's the type of thing where as tempting, and especially for somebody like me who is such a big fan of technology, if you're always wanting to get the next best thing kind of all the time, it's going to be very, very expensive. So only do an early upgrade if you have the money to really do so. If you don't, you are going to be in trouble, folks. Because really, at the end of the day, like it's nice to have the latest device, but these cell phones come out every yeah. every year every now. Year it's not now. like buying a new console, for yep. example, where you've been waiting seven or eight years and it's brand new technology, yep. which could never be replicable yep. on the previous generation. These phones are are very. <sighs> They're just minor upgrades yeah. from 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 phone to phone. Yeah, maybe a better camera, more megapixels, more processing power. But like you're saying, Joe, this is a lot of money to drop yeah. on just just to have the latest device just for minor upgrades. Yeah. And These phones are already powerful enough. They are. And another tip going alongside this too, if if you do have to go down this path, just be make sure that you talk very explicitly with uh, your your provider and the person that's working there and get clarification on just how much this is going to cost you going forward because this was an issue that I had where this wasn't properly communicated. And if I would have known how much it would have costed, I would have still had my previous phone. Uh, so d- d- just uh, go into this with... Uh, be just get all the information you can and make your decision off of that. Don't make a, a rash kind of decision unless you've completely destroyed your phone. Then I guess you really don't have any choice at that point. But I mean, if you're just 
kind of doing an upgrade for the sake of doing an upgrade only do it if you have the money and get like i said get full clarification on how much it's going to cost because if you don't ask they might not tell you and then you're going to get caught with your pants down and go oh crap i have this thousand dollar bill and i'm having trouble paying it now and they're going to cut yeah. your service off so i don't know that's not much i'm not sure if that's something that they do in this in the u.s but i'm sure it's kind of a similar thing that they have there obviously if you're not if you're behind your bill they're going to cut you off well, let's talk about, you just mentioned comparing to the U.S. Let's talk about carrier. Like you mentioned cell phone carriers and yeah. problems with those. So I did find uh, this actually, this this little eight-minute blurb off YouTube. You can find it as well. Yeah. Just look up why are Canadians paying so much for their cell phone plans. And this is a guy by the name of Stephen Clark from whistleout.ca. Yeah. This is on the Jill Bennett Show. And I remember hearing his exact talking points because I saw a similar video from National Post, one of Canadian Canada's major online news providers talking about why, like why, like why do we pay so much for our mm -hmm. cell phone plans? And even me, I'm just trying to scratch my head. Now, to be fair, we are the second fastest network behind Norway. So some might argue, yeah. well, you get what you pay for. Well, it's true, to a certain no, extent. not in this scenario. We, yeah. we're, our, my cell phone bill is exorbitant. I'm paying <sighs> about a hundred, over a hundred bucks now Yep. for Same six here. gigs of data. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, it just seems so trivial at this point why 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 do the americans get unlimited data plans and, and elsewhere in the world it's because joe we have three major companies that run our infrastructure we have bell mm -hmm. we have rogers and telus yep. anybody else you decide to go with is only piggybacking off of their infrastructure so you may think you're saving money yep. going with one of these other smaller companies but at the end of the day you're gonna get a slower service and not a lot of the bells and whistles a couple of things briefly on this to, to make a comparison to something else in technology. When you look at, uh, you know, paying, you're talking about paying the price for for more gigs on your plan and whatnot, and it just doesn't not really making any sense. Something else on that, like say when you get um, your phone in, in your, I'm talking hardware wise, like for the storage, whether it be like 16 gig or 32 gig or 128 gig. What I don't understand with that costing more is that flash card regardless of what the storage amount is on it, they're all the same size. So I don't understand what, really why one costs more than the other, other than them saying, oh, because that, that that can hold more, it costs more. I've never really been able to wrap my head around that whole concept. To me, I mean, it, it's it's the same, it's basically the same hardware. And, it, it does seem very trivial. Uh, 100%. Yeah. And for the uh, and for, for for just briefly on, on the many of the price difference, we're talking twenty five. We pay twenty five percent more, and yes. this is for the typical two gig or less cell phone plan. We pay roughly twenty five percent more than our friends to the south of us. It's it's unbelievable mm -hmm. how how much we pay, and especially with the with this whole streaming era where everything's going to streaming, whether yeah. it's movies, whether it's X Cloud, whether it's Stadia. How do you get away with six gigs, and especially when they want us to get onto these five G networks, and yeah. it's going to be everywhere? Like, I don't see the need for a cap anymore. It just seems like just just price gouging for yeah. the sake of price gouging, and where so. The whole idea with whistleout.ca is that you can actually go there to compare different cell phone plans and they'll give you guidance to find the best yeah. plan and to use your data most effectively. And what they're basically saying is that the solution to this, I think, seems to be at a provincial level because there yeah. are three provinces here in Canada, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Quebec that are the only three to have an additional fourth carrier. For example, Saskatchewan has Saskatel. Yeah. And overall, prices and plans tend to be cheaper yeah. in those three provinces just by adding one more carrier. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I can safely recommend the what I did with Rogers is I went with the their unlimited plan, and basically how that kind of works is you get an unlimited. I, I have to double check it again. You get basically unlimited to a certain point. Well, no, sorry. You you get top speed up to a certain number of gigs, and then after after that, then they throttle you back, but you still have access. It's just at a little bit of a lower speed. I've crossed that threshold for a few uh, times now, and I haven't really noticed much. I think uh, it's like you're watching YouTube; it just kind of lowers the resolution. It, it's not jarring at all, and I think it works pretty well. And I think then too, it has the benefit of you just you have that fixed amount that you pay every month, and that's that's a big deal for me. Yeah, it's essentially taking a taking a note from the American model, which is a lot smarter. Because here's yep. the thing, you know, we we've had some major like lawsuits and major controversies yeah. with with parents getting ridiculous cell phone bills for <laughs> because, for example, their kids were were streaming YouTube on 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 their actual data instead of Wi-Fi. Yep. So what happened was the the, the CRTC in <clears throat> Canada decided to come up with a wireless code of conduct where they made a rule that you can't, if you're, if anything past a $50 overage charge, yeah. you have to get consent to proceed. You can't just let it go into the stratosphere. Yeah. And then what, like, like what you're saying effectively now is that they've taken a page now where you get a certain speed that throttles for yeah. the rest of the month and then you restart again. So yeah. we're, I think we're starting to get closer to something and kind of going back a few episodes. Remember when we were talking about quote unquote, Apple Prime, right? With some of the yes. speculation that might come up with this, you know, what we, we're talking about with, with phone upgrades and data plans, this whole idea of going into like an all in one monthly subscription bundle could start to mitigate some of this. Yeah. Who knows? I like that idea. I would, I would be a big fan of the idea of everything just kind of being rolled into one and it just being one bill I have to pay every month. So that, that to me, that would be fantastic. Well, and then also now with, and I've been talking to this with people and trying to get their, their ideas and their, Yep. I want to ask you, I think we may have talked about this or we didn't, but with the whole idea of Apple launching their own satellites, yes, we did. Yes, Apple yeah. launching their own satellites and potentially getting rid of cell phone carriers. Yeah. This could be possibly a thing we need to shake up the industry to get Rogers, Bell, and Telus to respond to start getting more in tune with what we need in 2020 and beyond. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Mike, we're going to take a brief break here and we're going to come back with our final bite segment and we're going to talk the rumor mill BS kind of going on. And this isn't something just limited to technology, but it'll definitely be technology uh, related here. But uh, we may even talk about some other stuff too. But it's going to be all about rumor mills and all that kind of stuff spiraling out of control. So we'll be right back, guys. This week's episode is brought to you by Microblade in Brantford, Ontario, Canada, located at 265 King George Road. Visit Chris and the gang for all of your video game needs. All right, guys, Big Joe and Mike back here on HTM Tech. Now, before we do get to our final bite segment, there is one more thing that we need to talk about. We're, we're going Apple style here. One more thing before we get to the one other thing is we're talking a little bit about wrestling games, and a very interesting thing has happened. Now, if you've been paying attention, you've been playing the home game version, you know that Visual Concepts did the most recent WWE 20 game to very... Well, you know, it's not even fair to say mixed results. It's all been bad, and it's been awful, which is unfortunate given they make a really good basketball game. But besides the point, the basically what we're looking at happening here is that Ukes, who used to develop the WWE game, looks like they might be making something for the 
for AEW, which for fans of HTM Tech who don't listen to Turnbuckle Talk, AEW is All Elite Wrestling, which is the, the promotion that uh, Cody Rhodes has started with the the Khan family and is uh, arguably uh, you know taking the industry by storm. And it's very interesting here that they could be working on a game to kind of compete directly with WWE. This is very interesting. Yeah, so Ukes and... 2K fell out there. I, I I sent you some articles, but I didn't yeah. personally read them a lot, so I know there was some bad blood there. They got rid of Ukes. It's this whole thing of having to crank out a game every year yes. again, right? This isn't the first time we see this with EA. We saw it with Ubisoft uh, the, the, having to, to crank out this game every year. There's only so much that you can do in the, in the, in a year. Exactly. So they want to get away from that and make this actually premium wrestling title that isn't constrained yep. by time that they can actually work on, yep. put, like maybe put out every couple of years or something. But the thing is, we don't know. They know we know they want to make another wrestling game. Yep. We just don't know with whom. And now this this really ties in nicely to our final bite segment about rumors and speculation. The whole theme of what rumors can be grounded with evidence and one or just which completely out to lunch because it's getting crazy, especially with like the next gen speculation, which is going to mm-hmm. frame this whole thing. But getting back to wrestling, I'm getting a little excited here because there's a lot of very grounded speculation that AEW yep. may not so much be partnering with Ukes, but Aki. And for mm. any of you old school wrestling gamers like myself, yeah. Aki was responsible for drum roll, please, Joe. What did they put out back in the day? No mercy. Oh yeah, baby. Yeah. WrestleMania 2000, WCW, NW Revenge. Yep. The those still, games were fun. In my opinion, the best wrestling games of all time. Oh yeah, for, for sure. And you know, a lot of those wrestling games, even going back to, I mean, I, I showed you this the other week. Uh, you know, with the uh, WWF Royal Rumble for Sega Genesis, and it was for Super Nintendo as well. You know, a lot of these uh, wrestling games have been some of the uh, more fun kind of wrestling games, especially to bring your buddies over and whatnot. And, um, yeah, it, it's interesting to see how this is going to kind of unfold. What I'm hoping that they, that they do is that they go for more of the um, – it's, we could see a couple of things here. We could see the more kind of realistic simulation type thing, which the WWE is kind of are doing. And then on the other end, you have like Fire Pro Wrestling, which is more like kind of the arcade, kind of the over-the-top style. What, what I could see them doing is maybe something kind of somewhere in the middle. And that could be very interesting. It could be fun. That's exactly what those N64 games, they were kind of in the middle. Yeah. They, they just they played fluently. They were simple, yeah. but robust enough, and they didn't get into the weeds of all this technical stuff that the WWE 2K games, and, and really, I mean, their engine's based off those original Aki, but just a lot yeah. more, like you said, more, a lot more simulation. It can be kind of daunting mm-hmm. to just your average arcade wrestling fan, where that's what I've been waiting for. I've been waiting yeah. for more arcade experiences, and, and unfortunately, <clears throat> the name is slipping me now, but there's also another, a spiritual successor to wrestling. Fest mm. that's coming out as well that RGT85 yep. and Stevie Richards were talking about. Shout out to Stevie uh, uh, and, and forgive me Stevie for not remembering the name of the game but yep. Legion of Doom are basically the marquee yep. players I know that John Morrison's in it yep. he's got a partnership with NWA so, so the people like myself who want something more relaxed we're getting what we asked for and, and to tie it into their topic the only reason I would bring this up because I'm not a huge fan of rumors and speculation unless there's some evidence to ground it we already know that Kenny Omega of AEW said that he wants to see an specifically an N64 style wrestling game out, and yep. he's a big fan of Aki. And I think they even posed this question to Cody Rhodes, and he kind of said, "Yeah, this this is possible possibility." One more thing too, 
kind of dispelling the good rumors versus bad rumors. And yep. you, you made a good point here was that TNT, they own AEW, right? Um, they, the, 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 the con family, the guys who own the Jacksonville Jaguars. Sorry. They're the family that, that, uh, those are the guys that own AEW. But what does TNT have to do? Cause they were the ones who tweeted out that N64 yep. box art that had Jericho on the cover. They're the network that's airing the show. Thank you. Okay. So yep. when I showed you this, see a lot of people are saying, oh, this is just another thing to, to prove that they're going to, AEW is going to do a, no. like a no mercy style game. You had a different take on this. Yeah. Th- th- that's just them. If you're somebody that that's followed these guys. Now, this is a group that they're called the elite. Now this is this compromises of Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, the young bucks and uh, hangman, uh, Adam page. And there's been some other people that have been in the group. They have a YouTube channel called being the elite. And their MO has been trolling their fans and trolling WWE with this kind of stuff. So th- this absolutely fits. They, they've even done stuff of where they've been at a hotel and uh, they're getting ready to go a show. And there was a, uh, a note uh, slipped under the door that said, hey, come work for us. And all it, did is, all it had on it at the bottom was signed H, which, of course, is a making reference to Triple H from WWE. So they, they, they troll and they jab like uh, all the time. That's what this is. Regardless, though, of whether this is true or not, there's there's competition coming to WWE yep, 2K20, and that's <clears throat> exciting. Which is, and come on, you gotta you gotta give Visual Concepts some credit. I mean, this was their first stab at the game, but man, they botched it pretty bad. Like yeah. you, you you were mentioning on your previous episode of Turnbuckle Talk with yep. Carl, they had that game breaking Y2K bug where it is like literally a blue screen. It didn't work. Yeah, as soon as the the clock rolled over to 2020, the game stopped working. They passed. How does it. this work? Did Ukes just take the code and run, and they had to build this? Who thing knows, man? Scratch? I don't get it. And for some more entertainment factor, go on YouTube and, and type in WW2K20 glitches, and I mean you'll have a uh, you'll be pissing yourself laughing. That there's some hilarious glitches in there that which I mean should have come up in testing are really inexcusable at this point. Uh, I get it the the one year development cycle, but some of this kind of basic stuff like with the years and whatnot, you guys should have caught that. So and what a crappy year to get it wrong. When you finally <laughs> yeah. got Hogan and Piper into one game, Man. Well, I've been asking for, for yeah. years and they messed it up. Yep. But anyway, getting yeah. into rumors and speculation, Joe. So yes, we got lots. And it's, I want to frame this. I personally, I know you want to talk about different topics, but for me, the reason I brought this up is because the PS five mm-hmm. Xbox one series X and even supposed Nintendo <laughs> Switch Pro rumor mill is just getting crazy. There's some stuff that seems credible, like we were talking about with the Digital Foundry yep. episode. I mean, sorry, the article we mentioned earlier in the episode, but then there's just some stuff yep. that's just completely outer space here. It, it's very reminiscent of, and just to, again, to make reference to my other show, Turnbuckle Talk, we see so much of this in pro wrestling fandom, of especially from these fans who think that they know a little bit about the inside of the business and whatnot. And a lot of it just circulates around different talents signing with different companies. Right now, a big one was uh, Mr. Um, Brian Cage, who we actually interviewed at one point. And uh, he had supposedly signed with with actually All Elite Wrestling. He was currently working for Impact Wrestling. And then his wife actually uh, put out a tweet. I could could actually pull it up because I actually took a screenshot of it. And um, I'll bring it up for us here in real time. I should have had this ready. But uh, where are you, his wife? Yeah, here we go. Here's the the tweet. Melissa Santos, which is uh, Brian Cage's wife, uh, reacting to this. She said, really, how can you confirm something that isn't true? I'm his wife, and I can confirm, all in capital letters, he hasn't signed on any dotted line. It's this whole 
thing now with internet culture. <clears throat> Everybody wants to be the first to print. Yep. Everybody, Everybody thinks that they know something. Any spec, any any clickbait they can imagine. Yeah. And the thing is, is that so many people are getting anonymous sources. That just blows my mind that, yep. that you could even consider that. Seriously, and, and this is going to feed into a larger theme of like maybe like really how you and I approach this show in general mm -hmm. about how we approach journalism and quote unquote fake news and how having to source things. Yes. I don't go with anonymous sources. No. When I try to find articles that we're going to talk about, for example, mm. let, especially if it's going to be alternative news, like for example, let's say Infowars or Breitbart or Zero Hedge, I'm looking for hyperlinks inside that article, argument uh, in the article proving what you said and linking to either a scientific paper or maybe a more mainstream source that you can actually find some 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 gelling in between those yeah but to go with anonymous sources you're, you're you're just your credibility's on the line and what did i say to you as soon as i saw that ps5 non-reveal when they revealed the logo i messaged you i said well back to the Here drawer, we go. drawing board mark tards <laughs> and i know that's a wrestling term but it just felt so real of like these mark tards yes. that are all over the internet trying to speculate what's going to happen with next gen without any any information it's just like oh gta 6 is going to be a ps5 exclusive launch title in holiday 2020 i'm like are you kidding me <laughs> this is very interesting because uh earlier in the week here on tuesday if you guys turn into turnbuckle talk name of the episode was mark tard mania running wild and guess what folks this isn't just limited to the professional industry we have Mark Tards in the technology world they're, as well. They're freaking everywhere. And uh, it makes, I mean, it, I, in, in a way, I have to kind of thank them because they give us material to talk about, Mike. They do. They do. <laughs> so let's talk about some of that. So let, let's go back because uh, here's the thing. I want to, okay, so we talked about the the big leak that potentially came from AMD. So yep. let's, let's just kind of rehash that a little bit. So they're basically saying that <clears throat> based on leak specs, and there's more credibility to the PS5 specs, whereas the Xbox ones are very, very thin. Mm -hmm. They're saying that the Xbox is going to be significantly more powerful than the PS5. How does that make you feel as an Xbox gamer and looking into what could potentially be happening at Holiday 20? Because I have my own opinions on that too, but I'll let you go first. I mean, just right off the bat, I mean, you would have to, if, if that's given the case, I mean, it's a clear advantage, it being more powerful. Now, having said that, power and hardware isn't everything either. Having the the IPs, the intellectual properties, and, and having the games is even more important. Because, I mean, you could have killer hardware, <coughs> Google Stadia, and not have the, the games, and then your platform's dead in the water. So alongside of this being more powerful, we are seeing that it looks like for the first year or so that the, the new Xbox platforms won't have any first-party exclusive games. Now, is that a deal-breaker? It depends on your perspective. If That's very telling, and that adds even more credence to this argument. Yeah. That, okay, so if the Xbox is like four or five teraflops faster, mm -hmm. meaning way more expensive than the ps5 and they make it a good point that if the ps5 is somewhat underpowered they might be trying to go for that magic 399 us dollar price point that they yeah. came out with previous generation because here's the thing console gamers aren't going to pay pc gaming prices no. it's, it's not going to happen so there's another rumor now that the ps5 is actually going to be like 15 or 16 teraflops and eighteen hundred dollars yeah okay <laughs> yeah yeah you go smoke some more there buddy seriously it's not going to yeah. happen in a console space i've been around the console i've been following consoles for my whole life it's just not going to happen so yep what could potentially happen here though you brought up a great point so this came off of uh, uh this youtube video so big news that the xbox series x yep. is not going to have any 
first party exclusives specific to next gen yeah. they're all going to be multi x so they're going to developers are now going to be tasked with having to make a specific version for the series x yeah. the xbox one x the original xbox one we're talking about multiple versions at multiple benchmarks of quality mm -hmm. that sounds like a gargantuan task to me yeah, and another thing to make mention of this too is I think a good way to look at this too is that they're not going to have any uh, first-party exclusives, any new first-party exclusives. They're right? still going to have with the backwards compatibility access to all of the previous first-party games. So it's not like there's not going to be any new any any first-party games available. You're still going to be able to play like uh, Master Chief Collection and all the the existing first-party games. So I need to make that point very specific uh, with this. You're not going to be completely shut out. It's uh, I think that really the way that this article should have been uh, headlined is that there won't be any new exclusive first-party games for the first year. Yeah, like for example, so for example. Hellblade 2, well, we don't know about that one yet, but I'd, I'd say Halo Infinite, the yep. new Forza. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're going to get those probably day one Xbox One Series X, but yep. if you, like yourself, you said, Joe, like I'm not willing to go right into the next-gen console race this fall, yep. so at least you'll be able to play those games on your Xbox One X. And another way that I look at this here uh, as well, Mike, and I think you may agree with me on this, and maybe some of our listeners will as well, with this taking a little bit longer, I'm okay with that. If this means that they have to, that this is going to result in a better game and a better, uh, just it being better in the long term, I'm fine with that taking a little bit longer. That that, that may force them to to increase the quality and make sure that's going to be good. Uh, that aspect of it, I'm fine with. But then I the, the, here's the speculative side of me too, because I shared another article with you yeah. to counterbalance this, where now developers are starting to come out and saying that the PS5 is one of the easiest consoles to work Very with. So think about this now. So if the Xbox One won't have any specific first-party titles until 2021 that won't be playable on previous consoles, <clears throat> yeah. that could be because maybe the price point's too high and they're going to have a tough time selling the Series X. Maybe it might be $100, $200 more expensive because of all that extra power. Mm. Number two, if the PS5 is going, they're saying, okay, your PS5 games, they can't play on PS4. But mm. to get that console at the door... We took a little bit of hit on the power, yeah. but does that not potentially give Sony like a one or two year head start on the next generation over Xbox while they're just trying to figure out who their market is and where they're selling to? It's going to get very interesting. So like you said earlier, power is not everything. Yep. It's all the strength of the library. We've seen yep. this with Nintendo. They have the, the Switch is only what? One teraflop? Yeah. And it was the biggest selling console of 2019. Yep. Yep, it's going to be a very interesting battle. And just at, at the end of the day, I just hope that there's good games there to play for both sides. Because, uh, I mean, it would be a shame for this uh, Xbox. I mean, when you, just when you look at the hardware, I mean, it's it's impressive. It's sexy-looking hardware. But if, if the games are going to be too hard to develop and if they're stretching themselves a little too thin, uh, especially if these developers have to develop for multiple ver multiple versions, yes. uh, that may take away from what I said earlier about the uh, making sure that the quality is there if they have to stretch themselves too thin. I'll make the reference of when you go to a restaurant and they have 300 items on the menu. Yeah, great that we have all of this, but if it's all crap, then it doesn't matter. A really good restaurant does a handful of things really well. Uh, whereas with this, if they're trying to do too much, uh, it could be a jack of all trades and a master of none. That's right. But like I said, with all this speculation, you have to take everything we're saying right now. Well, most of what we're saying right now with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. This is all just speculation. The Still only is. reason I decided to share with you this the xbox mm -hmm. thing with uh the 
titles until 2021, yep. PS5 being easy to develop for it because that came out of the mouths of the actual developers yep. and personnel at Xbox. Whereas a lot of stuff coming from anonymous sources, guys, I know it's fun to get excited to speculate, but a lot of you are staking your reputations on this on YouTube and you're going to cry about this, mm -hmm. especially all those people who predicted the PS5 was going to get shown at CES. You're kind of looking silly now. And, and that's it, and that's it's in this whole larger picture of like information war and the fight for fake news and people losing their reputations with one bad post. You and I, have, I think we found a pretty good system here where yep. we're, we're, we're notice we we know what the credible sources are, but we also know how to how to branch out from that one article to connect it to different sources because my whole argument is that the truth is somewhere in the middle. You take one circle and another circle you make a venn diagram and that little overlap in between is probably the truth and that's what i look for i look for something i can prove and so far until sony actually comes out on stage in a month or two and shows us what these specs are you guys are kind of picking at straws right now yeah. and it's fun but but it's getting a little out of hand too and it's it's getting a little annoying and the way that I'm kind of looking at it too, and once again, I'm going to kind of uh, bridge my two podcasts kind of together with this, and I'll make a reference to Turnbuckle Talk. There's very much a difference between listening to somebody giving an opinion on Facebook that has been watching wrestling for a couple of years, as opposed to a couple of guys who have known each other for 25 plus years. Uh, one of them actually working in the industry and actually taking the bumps and the knowledge in the ring and have been watching and have been paying attention to the industry for so long. There's a real difference between getting information from somebody like that as opposed to a fanboy on a keyboard on Facebook that has only been watching WWE or something for a couple of years. Again, that applies to what we're doing here with HTM Tech as well. There's a big difference between a tech journalists who's only been around for a couple of years and their first system was maybe the uh, the xbox 360 as opposed to us who have seen multiple generations and we're pulling from a knowledge and we've seen the trends so that's where i make the distinction as well you just nailed it trends exactly yeah. neither of us has a crystal ball i don't always no. get it right but i do get a lot of things right because i've been through most of these generations of games i've followed the biz for decades and there are constants to this thing like yeah. you, you can and, we, and I, i've been I've been following Sony from the week the PS1 launched and they have a methodology that yep. remains fairly consistent. So I can make fairly safe predictions. Again, I'm not saying I know everything no. and, and they can surprise us from time to time, but yep. you and I both, we like you're saying with wrestling, you have a very, you and Carl and, and everybody at the network have, have like a multi-decade yeah. knowledge of this sport. So you, you can cut through all the the, the obfuscation and subterfuge where a lot of these people that just kind of got into this, mm -hmm. God bless them. But you know, you don't really have that historical that 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 platform to really be able to make those those yeah. good speculations. So be very careful. Yeah. And again, that was another reason why I had to kind of distance myself from social media because Mike, I, I found myself getting into so many uh, these arguments with the with our our Mark Tard friends. Um, and it got to the point really like where it was it was just too easy to uh you know because they they would call me out on certain things and i would come back and you know that maybe for some reason they thought that I was like a teenager i'm like bro i got like 20 years experience on you and it, and and like i said before at the end of the day when it's all said and done it's like i just wasted my time so it's it's one of those things where like we said like i said on turnbuckle talk earlier this week it's kind of become for me is that all of that toxicity and stuff on social media, I've essentially left that behind and just kind of left it for our, our platform that we're on here with the, with, with the podcast. We can get our information out there. We know what we're talking about and we don't have to get into these petty arguments with people who don't. Yeah, you know what? It's it's not to say that somebody with five years of experience can't talk to somebody with 20 years of experience. No. It's just that 
back it up with facts, okay? Yes. Be very careful with anonymous sources. You know, yep. you just and my key to people who want to get on this is don't just follow what you love. Follow the people who cover this who have been in the game for a long time. Yep. That's basically how I learned about journalism was by following other journalists and yep. watching them make mistakes and having triumphs and failures and seeing what works and what doesn't work. And Absolutely. the more you do it, and you're going to make mistakes too, but the more you do it, the more you get to that idea of, of what actually works and where the real news lies among all the, the wasteland. So, um, okay, one more thing, Joe. Yep. Uh, so, you, so you're going to say something? Or? Nope, you go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Just a tie ball on this. Okay, so I did mention that I scoffed at the whole GTA 6 rumor, <laughs> and I'm willing to be wrong. Yes. I'm willing to eat my hat if this – okay, GTA 6, the rumor is it's going to be a PS5 timed exclusive mm -hmm. that's going to be released at launch. Yes. Credible, not credible, out to lunch. What do you think, Joe? Again, I'm going to pull on some of my experience before. Uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I know you know about this as well, Mike. Was Grand Theft Auto, was it not originally essentially a PlayStation exclusive at one point? It was up until, what, Vice City? I, I believe. I think, I think it was around Vice City or San Andreas that Xbox finally got... Yeah, those games. Yes. So it's just a matter of if we're going if we're going back to that. Have you know? Have they decided to go exclusive or have they not? So having said that, we don't really have the information, so it's nearly impossible to really make a statement about that because we just don't know. Is it potential for it to happen? Sure, because we like I said, we know that they used to be essentially exclusive to the PlayStation platform. So is it feasible? Sure, but do we know? No, we don't. I'd say no. I'd say Rockstar's too big. I'd say yep. to actually get timed exclusivity on Sony, that's a lot of money. That's yep. wasted. Yep. Like, really, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need that for? It, 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 people are going <laughs> to buy a PS5 regardless of whether GTA 6 is a launch sale or not. Yep. But then, never mind that. Do you think GTA 6 even comes out this year? I think it just gets revealed this year. I think we're going to see maybe gameplay, some initial teasers. Yep. But to have it come out holiday 2020. It's been six or seven years. I wouldn't say it's an impossibility, but yeah. wow, that's that's a bit of a stretch too. My gut tells me that. If it's going to come out in 2020, they have been very tight-lipped about it. Yeah. Yeah. So No uh, leaks, no rumors, and that's where I, again, like nothing, uh, nothing's come out about this yet, so I, I don't know. I, I just think uh, people are getting a little crazy here. Having said that, if I have to, if somebody's holding a gun to my head, forcing me to make a speculative date for its release, I will say second quarter of 2021. Yeah, that sounds about right. I, I, I'd agree with you. Yeah. All right, man. So we did our speculation, and uh, that's all really I'm willing to do about that because, yes. again, with that particular one, and I know that one's a really hot topic with gamers now, because, is, is, uh, I mean, even this game's existence is really kind of still up in here. We really don't know, and people are talking about this like they know it for a sure thing, and that, that, that just isn't the case. Yeah, it's this intellectual arrogance. Just just watch yep. what you say because the internet never forgets. <laughs> Absolutely. Great point. Okay, Mike, that about wraps up for this week. But before we go, we have some music, as always, here. And you have the pick this week. And uh, I'll say right off the bat, I'm a big fan of this one, too. So it's it's a good one. Yeah, I'm not going to say a lot about it. It's just, it just felt right. Uh, it just I heard it. No, it well, the story was it was 
last weekend, it was the end of a brutal eight day stretch at work. It happens sometimes where you get that extra yeah. shift. And by the end of it, I was just done. And all I wanted to do was grab a six pack, throw on some rock band, do some karaoke. I hadn't done it in a long time. And for some reason, I decided to do this track, which I failed at miserably. And for some reason, I was inspired that night. So we're going to go with Muse, Hysteria, off their third album, Absolution, out of 2003. I told you, Joe, man, when the drop happens in this track, I'm just I'm just banging. I love when Muse gets heavy. Like They, they can definitely do the prog and the artsy yeah. stuff, but when they like to get heavy, oh, they get heavy. This this track is on fire. The only drop that I would think would be more epic is, of course, In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins uh, from, a, from mm. Miami Vice. I think that that, as good as the drop is in this song, I think probably the most epic drop in the song in rock and roll history was that, but not to take anything from the song, this one is fantastic. I know people who learn drums just so they could play that solo right. from in the air tonight. So it's, that's how maybe maybe we'll have to play that at some point too. We'll, we'll see. But anyway, here's Muse. I've been dying to play some Muse. I know I'm sure you've been dying to hear yes. some. So let's do this. Absolutely. And we'll see you guys on the next one. Peace, guys. Be good to one another. Yeah. 